You are listening to Standing Firm with your host, Pastor James Brown, Jr. This podcast is brought to you by Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints, according to Paul's command in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, to be on guard, to stand firm in the faith, to act like men, and to be strong. For more information, visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org. That is reformedholytrinity.org. Greetings once again from Morgan County, Indiana. This is your host for Standing Firm, Pastor James Brown Jr. of Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity. This is our third podcast in the Defending Calvinism series and our second podcast, Defending the Doctrine of Total Depravity. We are reviewing a series of videos by Matthew Stuckey of Verity Baptist Church in Manila called Exposing Calvinism Clips where Mr. Stuckey presents several videos on each doctrine of grace listed under the acronym TULIP, which means that we will go through a series of reviews concerning total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. Each podcast will vary in length and depth since we are responding to each video individually. Today's podcast will be a little difficult because we are re- what we are going to be reviewing is really just an extension of his strange and false idea of common ordinary people that Mr. Stuckey presented in the previous video that we reviewed last time. Mr. Stuckey is not going to give us any new information, and we can't wait until he actually attempts to deal with passages of Scripture Because basically, what we have heard up to this point is just conjecture, and that is what we will continue to hear today. Nevertheless, we are going to go through every second of his series because it is important to follow his train of thought and the evidence that he provides to compare it with what we teach so that you can see for yourself who is teaching the Bible and who is teaching the traditions, commandments, and doctrines of men. So let's begin with the first clip from his Are All Unbelievers Totally Depraved Animals? Matthew Suggy here from Verity Baptist Manila, and I'm bringing you a video on the topic of total depravity. And Calvinists have this, this doctrine of total depravity, which is a false doctrine. Here is one of those blanket statements where Stuckey says that Calvinism and Calvinists have this doctrine of total depravity, which is, in his statement, a false doctrine. Well, why is it false, Mr. Stuckey? Well, if you listen to our last podcast, you'll remember the only thing that he had to disprove this doctrine was his own assertion that most people are normal, common, everyday, unsaved people, whatever that means. Well, he does not have much more than that to offer in this video either. His premise is like all man-centered religion, which is that man is not really that bad. He seems to assert a doctrine not much different than Luke Bryan's country song, I Believe Most People Are Good. Now, anyone can come along and make accusations and presuppositions based upon their own opinions. But what does the Bible say? 
That is what we are seeking to know. And it is obvious in Mr. Stuckey's videos that he does not take the text very seriously. Matthew Stuckey here from Verity Baptist Manila, and I'm bringing you a video on the topic of total depravity. And Calvinists have this, this doctrine of total depravity, which is a false doctrine. And one thing they talk about is this, that before a person becomes a child of God, they are capable of the worst sins imaginable. Yep, that is right, Mr. Stuckey. We do believe that sinners are capable of the worst sins imaginable because that is the picture the Bible paints and it is actually the history of mankind. If you remember in our last podcast, we quoted Romans chapter 3 verses 10 through 18 where Paul puts together an assortment of passages from the Psalms and the prophets describing the universal condition or the state of mankind. Listen to what Paul says and see if Mr. Stuckey is anywhere close to what the Bible says in his presentations. Paul writes, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Paul here is teaching that there is nothing good in the nature of man, and that his nature is completely corrupt. Listen, you can take any example you find in mankind, and if it was not for the grace of God, there go I, and there you go as well. Now what Mr. Stuckey does not understand is the difference between common grace and special grace. God has granted common grace in his law, in the three institutions of the family, the church and civil government, in order to restrain man in his sinfulness, and even in creation through natural law and man's conscience, because he was created in the image of God. However, this common grace is not salvific. Special grace is the power of the Spirit of God breathing spiritual life in regeneration to dead sinners. Common grace helps restrain man from being as bad as he could be. But special grace transforms sinners into the image of God. So yes, sinners are capable of the worst sins imaginable. The more the restraints of man are removed, the deeper man will dive into his depravity. Sin begets sin as man is emboldened in it. So we need to be thankful that we have been restrained from the full capacity of our wicked hearts, either through common grace and then even much more in special grace. You see, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the Bible says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. We do not even know the depths of wickedness in our own hearts. In other words, left to ourselves... The unimaginable is possible.
You see, no matter how wicked we know or even think we are, we're way more wicked than that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. That's right. According to your nature, you are capable of every kind of murder and sexual immorality. There is no good thing in your flesh. It is corrupt, and it will proceed in its corruption unless there is something to restrain it. And that restraint is not your nature. It's not your power or anything else that comes from your flesh. And one thing they talk about is this, that before a person becomes a child of God, they are capable of the worst sins imaginable. For example, pedophilia or being a serial killer. And they say that's normal and part of our flesh. But the Bible talks about certain sins that are common to man. And being a pedophile is not something that's common to man. It's not something a normal person desires. So there are some sins that Mr. Stuckey finds so repulsive that he could never imagine committing. However, if a sinner is unrestrained and continues to progress in his sin, each step along the way, sin becomes less repulsive. For example, there are sins that are unnatural, but they, there are many people in our society who are becoming more and more given over to them. And I'm not just talking about homosexuals, even though some of these sins are closely associated. Nevertheless, when man is unrestrained, he has the capacity to progress in sin until he finds even the most unnatural sins desirable. Mr. Stuckey picks out one of the most horrendous and detestable sins and will basically give us two examples, pedophilia and murder in the serial sense of the term or the killing of more than one person. So pedophiles and serial murderers are the two examples that he is going to give us. But these are not the only detestable kinds of sin. As a matter of fact, murder is actually a natural sin. One does not have to progress into the dark recesses of their heart to find murder. It naturally flows to the top. But why doesn't Mr. Stuckey talk about other detestable sins, say like pornography? Pornography starts out in the normal lust of the flesh, but it does not take long until one is viewing all sorts of debauchery that is improper to even speak of in this podcast. Yet, these things have become common practice, not only in the viewing of them, but also in the desire and participation in these things throughout our society. Are these the normal, everyday, common people Mr. Stuckey is speaking of? Stuckey is just simply building a straw man here in his attempt to defend his view of man's goodness. You see, he doesn't want to admit that man as, is as bad as he is. Stuckey believes man is capable of doing what he defines as spiritually good by his own free will. But the Bible describes man's will as being captive to sin, captive to darkness, and captive to Satan. 
In Romans chapter 7, Paul affirms that the law of God is spiritual, but that he was carnal, sold under sin. Being under sin is to be captive to it. Therefore, he says in verse number 23 of that same chapter, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. You see, his flesh is captive to the law of sin. And then in Romans chapter 8, verses 7 through 8, Paul writes that the carnal mind is enmity. It is the enemy of God because it cannot be subject to his law. Therefore, he concludes this thought by stating, So then they that are in the flesh can not please God. Jesus says in John chapter 3 and verse 19, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Men love darkness, and the reason why they love darkness is because they are evil. And if you give them enough cover from the light, there is no evil that they will not imagine or do. You see, men love darkness, and the darker, the better. Giving thanks to the Father, Paul describes Christians in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, because God has delivered them from the power of darkness by translating us into the kingdom of his dear Son. So he is giving praise to the Father for that fact. But notice the, what the thanks is for. The thanks is for delivering us from the power of darkness. It cannot be plain, any plainer from the scripture that man is totally depraved. But human experience also testifies to this fact. If Mr. Stuckey cannot see this in his own heart, then it can only be because he is full of self-righteousness. That is the only thing that can cause man not to see by his own experience that he is totally depraved. You have to lie to yourself by pretending to be righteous. But the Bible talks about certain sins that are common to man, and being a pedophile is not something that's common to man. It's not something a normal person desires. Now, we just talked about the reprobate doctrine in the last video. We covered the video he is referencing in our last podcast. But although he makes it sound like he covered this reprobate doctrine, he really didn't. He mentions it, but he did not actually present a case for what he was saying from Scripture. Now, I do believe there is a reprobate doctrine, but if you remember from last time, he stated that reprobation is the result of rejecting or um, rejecting uh, of rejecting God or rejecting a belief in Jesus over and over and over again. Well, what about those who have never heard of Jesus and were reprobates? Uh, did the inhabitants before the flood in Genesis reject Jesus over and over again until they reprobated themselves? Did those who dwelt in Sodom and Gomorrah reject believing in Jesus over and over until they became Sodomites? Or was it because they suppressed the truth of natural revelation as depicted in Romans chapter 1, where the invisible things of him from the creation of the world were clearly seen, 
being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And because of this idolatry, God then gives them over to sin, so that they progress in their depravity until they are completely consumed with unrighteousness and their minds are completely reprobate. That discussion is completely different than the one that we are having here in light of Mr. Stuckey's comment. But I just want to focus on this idea where they think that somebody, just your normal everyday person, is just as, could easily become a serial killer or a pedophile and it's normal in their nature. That's not what the Bible teaches though. The Bible very clearly teaches only a small percentage of people are a child of the devil. And those people are capable of the worst sins imaginable. We have continually shown from the Bible that man's nature is corrupt. We are not saying this is normal in God's creation. We're not saying that this is normal according to natural or even special revelation. We are not saying that it is normal in regards to the Imago Dei. In the original creation, we were created in the image of God, and no sin is natural in that regard. God is not the author of sin. What we are talking about is after the fall, or after original sin. Since the fall, we are enslaved to sin, and it is the fallen nature of man. But Stuckey says the Bible teaches something different. Listen again to what Mr. Stuckey claims the Bible teaches. The Bible very clearly teaches only a small percentage of people are a child of the devil. And those people are capable of the worst sins imaginable. So the Bible teaches only a small percentage of people are the child of the devil? Well, that is according to Matthew Stuckey. But where does the Bible even say that? You see, this is so outlandish that he does not even attempt to quote any passage of Scripture at all, not even out of context. He then goes on to say that only those people who are capable of the worst sins imaginable are depraved. And again, where does the Bible teach this? You see, this is so absurd, I can't believe he can even say it with a straight face. I mean, how does two murders put you into a category as a child of the devil, whereas one murder is normal? So if you commit adultery with one woman or with one woman at a time, this is normal. But if you commit adultery with two or more women at the same time, you become a child of the devil? I guess if you keep sin in certain limits, at least the limits that is presently acceptable to Mr. Stuckey, which so far the only thing we know is that you have to refrain from pedophilia and serial murder. So I wonder if he is speaking in regards to pedophilia. I wonder if he is speaking of the 18-year-old age of consent in California. Or maybe he's talking about the 16-year-old age of consent in Indiana. 
or possibly the 12-year-old age of consent in the Philippines where he currently resides. You see, is, is he talking about serial killers like Ted Bundy? Or is someone who gets into a bar fight and pulls a gun and kills more than one person? Or what about the soldier who loses it in wartime and kills several innocent civilians or several enemy combatants trying to surrender? You see, I'm, I'm unsure of his criteria. But he picks out about the only two sins left in our society that is still found to be despicable for his analogy. But the normal person out there that's unsaved, they're not totally depraved and they're not capable of the worst of the worst sins like being a pedophile. That's not a sin that's common to man. It's not a sin that a normal person would desire or think about. It's something, somebody with a twisted mind, someone who's a reprobate, a child of the devil. But that is not your normal everyday person. So the normal unsaved person is not totally depraved. Well, in our last two podcasts, we have shown clearly from Scripture that man is actually totally depraved. Man is a slave to sin. In other words, he can't choose to do anything different, and he's not able to deliver himself from the power of darkness. But I want to focus on this phrase that he keeps using. He keeps saying that certain sins are not common to man, like pedophilia and serial murder. So, pedophilia was not common back during the Greek and Roman empires? Well, of course it was, and, and you have to either be ignorant of history or just don't care in order to not uh, know this. Pedophilia is not a recent problem. It, 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 it's not new to the 21st century. It has been a problem. It's been a problem because of man's sinfulness for the last 6,000 years. It has been a problem at certain times more than others, but it has always been a problem, and so has sodomy, and so has serial murder, and every other sin that you could ever imagine. Now, we can't even get out of the book of Genesis without, the st without stories of incest, and possibly even pedophilia and sodomy, all three of which are connected to Lot, of whom the Bible describes as righteous. He is not called a child of the devil because he is associated with these things or committed any of these things or even the sins that he committed with his daughters. In spite of all his problems, apparently he did have true faith in God. But my goodness, man is depraved which is why Paul describes himself as having no good thing in his flesh. In Romans 7, Paul does not tell Christians there is no longer any reason to fear the flesh. No, even the flesh of Christians is totally corrupt, which is why Romans 8, in Romans 8, Paul says that we must walk in the Spirit. But he keeps saying that these things are sins that are not common to man. That phrase is actually found one time. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where Paul says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of, to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Notice Paul is not making a distinction in the types of sins. 
Paul is not saying that there are some sins that are common to man and some sins that are not common to man. And then he's not saying that there are those who are just ordinary, normal, common people, and then there are other types of people who commit these worst of the worst sins who are children of the devil. Paul is actually classifying all sins together in this passage. Every temptation you will ever face is common to man. And the promise is to Christians is that God will not allow his children to be tempted above what a spirit-led person can overcome, which is through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has given us the means not only for our justification, but also for our sanctification and for our overcoming of temptation. So, if you were living in Corinth, that is Paul's immediate audience for that passage, that was good news for the believer because that which was common to man was just about anything you could imagine in that city, even pedophilia. This is the same church and the same epistle where Paul has to rebuke them for allowing one of their own members to commit fornication with his own mother and be accepted into the fellowship of the church. I mean, my goodness, talk about unimaginable. Isn't incest with your mother one of these sins that would fall into Stucky's depraved and unimaginable sins? I have to admit, I don't know how many more times I can hear this normal everyday person thing without losing my mind because it is pure madness. And when you have people out here that teach this doctrine that, you know, everybody's a child of devil, they're basically saying that before God regenerated them, they had the mind and the desires of, you know, they could easily be a pedophile or a serial killer. And it's like, I wonder about that person then that has that sick and twisted mind that would say that because I'm sorry. I don't have the desires, I've never had the desires of being a serial killer or a pedophile. That's someone who's been given over to a reprobate mind, their mind and consciousness is defiled. Okay, we're at the point now where we are just repeating the same things over and over again. And somehow or another, he thinks this is Bible teaching, even though he has not used the Bible to back up his statements one iota. You can say it over and over again, but it doesn't matter how often you repeat yourself. It does not make it so, and constant repetition is not an, artic, uh, is not an argument. But listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. He writes, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Notice the distinction that Paul is making. If Jesus Christ is in you, then you are not reprobate. But if Christ is not in you, then you are reprobate. But what does reprobate mean? It's something that is cast away. It is something that is not approved because it does not stand the test. Therefore, it is unfit, it is unproved or rejected. So Paul is saying that if Christ is in you, then you are accepted. And if Christ is not in you, then you are rejected. These are the only two categories that we find in Scripture. 
All men, are, of course, are not born into an accepted state. All men are, re- are born into this rejected state. You see, their sins have separated them from God. And the only way that they can be accepted by God is if they are justified by the active and passive obedience of Christ. Unless his righteousness is imputed to us and our sins imputed to him, unless his sacrifice on the cross has atoned for our sins, then we are rejected. We are either accepted through Christ or rejected through Adam. There is no innocent state in Adam until you decide to be a child of God or decide through a certain amount of decisions to become a child of the devil. The Bible teaches that we are born in rejection because Adam failed to do that which was righteous. God rejected him and we are born in reprobation. Only through Jesus Christ can we be accepted by God. Outside of Christ, mankind is just reprobate silver because the Lord has rejected them because of their sins. So the Bible does not teach that your normal everyday person is capable of the worst of the worst sins. It teaches that there's certain sins that are common to man, which are most sins. You know, even some bad sins like adultery or murder, people get angry, people get envious and things like that that can lead them to terrible sins. But no normal person has the desires of being a pedophile or something like that. That's not normal. And so what Calvinists say when they say we're capable of the worst possible sins, most people, no, that's not part of their normal desires. Their mind and conscience is not defiled. Only a small percentage of people. Thank you and God bless. If your normal everyday person is not capable of the worst sins, then I have a question. Why do they commit the worst of the worst sins then? Well, Biblically, we know the answer. It's because Jesus said that sin comes out of the heart. That means that even the worst of the worst sins are natural to our wicked hearts. They are not natural according to God's creation, but they are natural according to our sinful state since the fall. The desire to sin and the will to revolt against God is the natural state of man in this present world. We have already seen that the common to man language in 1 Corinthians does not have any bearing on what he is saying here. But just taking the phrase common to man in modern usage, what is common in one place in time is not necessarily common in another place in time, and what he is doing is defining this in a modern American context. Just because something is not common right now does not mean that it has not been common at other times and other places. You see, this is no argument at all, at least not one that has any consistency. But he blatantly states that most people do not have defiled minds. If you can read through the Bible, or live life for that matter, and come to that conclusion, then there is no hope for you. You just cannot be that dumb. It's the worst form of self-deception possible. So in closing, what does the Bible say about the normal, common, ordinary, or natural man? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul says that the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, we are told that we are by nature the children of wrath, because we have had our behavior in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. 
In Romans chapter 7, verse 14, Paul says that he understands that he is carnal, sold under sin. In other words, he is a captive to sin. And then in Romans chapter 8 and verse 7, he says that the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, and it can't be. In Jeremiah 13, 23, we're told that just as the Ethiopian cannot change his skin, or the leopard his spots, then also we cannot do good who are accustomed to doing evil. In Romans chapter 7, verse 18, Paul says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You see, we are all gone out of the way. We are all together become unprofitable, because there is none that doeth good. No, not one. What is common to man is that he is a slave to sin because his nature is depraved. Although we were created in the image of God, we have become unprofitable because our flesh and minds are defiled. It is a very strange time that we live in when even those who teach that before a person can be saved that they must admit they are a sinner. But then they lessen the effect because what they're talking about is they have to admit they're a sinner but not a really bad sinner just a common ordinary everyday good person who can rescue himself with a little help from Jesus I mean yeah he went to the cross and all but as long as you are not like the publicans you can by your own free will believe which to them is good enough as long as you have not done anything too bad. But the fact of the matter is, whether you have committed major sins or minor sins, your heart is completely defiled and filled with all unrighteousness. That's the reason why you sin at all. But it does not matter if you have done the worst of the worst, because God does not grade on a curve. All have sinned and will have to pay for their sin in hell for eternity because the wages of sin is death, both temporal death and eternal death. Well, we've made it through another review of Matthew Stuckey's arguments against Calvinism, and this video was more painstaking than some of the ones we'll be reviewing in our upcoming podcast. So next time, we will be responding to the question found in his next video, are some, cap are, are some incapable of getting saved? He makes the claim that Calvinists teach that there are some men who are not able to believe, which is not what we believe at all. So join us next time to find out what we actually believe and teach. And until then, God may God bless and keep you. Thank you for listening to Standing Firm. Please consider helping us in this battle for Christianity as we assault the gates of hell with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can write to us at Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, P.O. Box 1125, Mooresville, Indiana, 46158. Or you can visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org.